You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Sarah. And I'm Abby. Today, we're going to talk about book-related snobbery. But first, let's catch up on life lately. What's new with you, Sarah? I am in between two trips right now. We just got back from visiting my family for Labor Day for a short trip. It was the first time I got to see my sister in just about two years Mm, because we haven't wanted to be on a plane since our kids are unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. So lovely to see her and her husband and just be in my childhood home. Seeing the kids having fun there, relishing in how smoothly travel goes now. We can Mm. all enjoy an audiobook as a family and just feels easier than it did a few years ago. Yes, I am gazing at my future, your present with envy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's coming eventually. And in a couple days, Neil and I are leaving to go to North Carolina to enjoy some time together, a vacation with just the two of us. It's been a lot to have those trips close together, Mm. trying to get everything done, but will be well worth it. Love it. What is new with you? So about a week and a half ago, the remnants of Hurricane Ida were sweeping through Birmingham, Alabama. So we had tons of rain and wind. Mm -hmm. And we were awakened by a giant boom at 6 a.m., which was half of our neighbor's 300-year-old oak tree falling into their yard taking out part of their back deck and the roof of our chicken coop. No. And putting a branch through the wall of our garage. So when I think about this, the level of force that has to happen to shove a branch through the wall of our garage, which is cement plank siding. Mm, Yes. (laughs) It's very intense. I do have to say that I am awesome. And this chicken coop that I built is intact except for the roof. So the frame of the coop, the rafters that the roof purlins, like the side Mm -hmm. pieces we're sitting on, are intact. So I've ordered some new roofing material. I will put the roof back on at some point probably next week. But it was a lot. It does sound like a lot. But also, I'm glad that it seems like it will be relatively easy to fix. Mm -hmm. It also took out the fence Mm -hmm. which we did not put in. This was an old chain link fence, and I think it's not going to be able to be saved. But I thought about filing a homeowner's insurance claim, and the amount of damage is $200 less than our deductible. Yeah. (laughs) So I think I'm going to learn how to do chain link fencing next. (laughs) What a great opportunity to learn new skills. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, now let's talk about what we've been reading. What's your latest book, Sarah? I just finished the book, Who is Maud Dixon, by Alexandra Andrews. This is a book about Florence, who is an aspiring writer and editorial assistant in New York. And we learn at the beginning of the book about this author, Maud Dixon. And that is a pen name that someone uses, but no one knows who. It's a mystery of Mm. who this author actually is. I don't want to give too much away because there's a lot of twists and turns and surprises that make the book really fun. But the lives of Florence and Maud Dixon intersect mm-hmm. and they go on a travel adventure together to Morocco and lots of things happen. All right. I will say the audio was excellent. It was darker than I expected and it gets darker as it goes. So mm. it starts out feeling really light and fun and... 
that changes. So be prepared as you enter into the book for that experience. If it's not what you're looking for, maybe save it for another time. Noted. Definitely had the psychological thriller vibe happening. Okay. I would recommend it. I think it would be a really fun book to read or listen to when you're traveling as it's really engaging. It's definitely a page turner and you Mm -hmm. want to figure out what's happening. But I wouldn't say there was a ton of depth there in terms of things that I'm going to be thinking about for months or years to come. Got it. What have you been reading? I recently finished The Fixed Stars by Molly Wisenberg. Hmm. This is a memoir about sexuality and marriage. So you may know Molly Wisenberg from her memoir, Delancey, which is about yes. opening a restaurant with her husband. Or you may know her from the Spilled Milk podcast or her blog, Orangette, which was a food blog. And she has the best chocolate cake recipe that our family uses. Mm. We'll put that in the show notes. That's right. So this was really different for her. It's not different in that it's a memoir, but it's different in terms of the topics that she's focusing on. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the book, she's married to a man, but then through the course of the book realizes that she's attracted to people of other genders. And so it's a story of coming into herself in that way. And then there's also some discussion about gender and sexuality and everything that we've heard about sexuality is that you're born that way. So she really Mm -hmm. questions that within herself because she always considered herself straight, but then has these feelings of attraction that she really can't ignore. So I really loved her insight about herself and her sexuality throughout the book. I particularly loved how she highlights the ways in which parenting can bring us more fully into ourselves. And there's a really beautiful quote that I wanted to read. She says about her daughter, June, Becoming her mother grew me up. It committed me to becoming the kind of person I wanted her to know, remember, be proud of. It committed me to becoming the person I want her to have as a parent. And I just really loved that. So I would recommend this one. It's a really solid memoir and worth a read. It sounds great. Let's move on to our topic for today, book-related snobbery. Sarah, what are some types of book snobbery that you have encountered in your life? We'll start with when you were younger. What I remember when I was younger is I really loved reading books about horses, these series. Mm. I thought other people would think the books that I was reading were too young for me, that that was something for someone else. And so I would not bring these books to school to read. I would only have them at home. I'd get them from the public library Mm. and not read them in secret. Like It's not as though I was hiding them from my family, but I definitely had the sense that I didn't want my peers to know. Which is strange looking back on it because I'm sure the books I was reading were very age appropriate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was reading a lot of Saddle Club and Thoroughbred. Those were my favorite series. Mm-hmm. And I think those kind of series just can span a wide age range. Mm-hmm. But somehow I had thought I had outgrown them. So what age were you when you were reading them? I don't remember exactly. I'm guessing I was 9, 10, 11. Okay. Like middle to late elementary school, which seems like the right age to be reading those books. I don't remember reading them in high school. And it seems also like an age that you would be really concerned about what your peers were thinking about you, kind of developmentally. Right. But it also makes me wonder about the things that I had internalized about the ways that you're reading reflect who you are as a person Mm. that I had somehow felt like what I was reading wasn't projecting the image that I wanted in some way. Hmm. 
And do you have a recollection of noticing what other people were reading at that time? Not at all. Okay. I couldn't tell you a single thing my friends were reading. So this is like a self-focused thing. Yes. Yeah. So when we were planning for this episode, I really feel like I have seen book-related snobbery out in the world, most specifically Mm -hmm. with romance, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But for me, it doesn't really feel like I have ever either internalized it or had it directed right at me Mm -hmm. within my hearing. So I have no recollection as a kid of being embarrassed about anything I was reading or not sharing about it. I do have a recollection of reading a very scary book that I got from the Scholastic Book Fair Mm -hmm. during school, and it was a ghost story book. And I don't know if I was pressured by friends to buy that, because that seems like not a great choice that nine-year-old me made. Mm -hmm. But I was so upset that I didn't eat, and I just was sobbing, and I think I had to get picked up. But even that, I don't remember feeling embarrassed or anything about it. So yeah, it's possible that I did and I just don't remember. Yeah, where I definitely remember there were books that I would read at home and there were books that I would read out in the world. Hmm. And I would say that was true for a long time for me, where intellectually I know I should be reading anything I want to, but I have felt that there were certain books that I wanted to be seen reading and certain books that I didn't. Hmm. I think that's actually a great spot to switch to talking about romance, Mm -hmm. because I think this is the one that has come up the most for me, both in discussions with friends who are reading Mm -hmm. and sort of seeing things like I'm in a romance readers Facebook group and things come up in there a lot about how people are judgmental of romance. So let's talk about that. What has your experience with that been? My first experience with reading romance was in high school and getting some of the Harlequin novels Mm. from the public library Mm -hmm. and finding them very interesting (laughs) as a teenager. And then I don't remember reading them again until really recently in my adulthood, within the last, I would say, three to four years. Yeah. And all that time in between, I think I felt like they weren't very serious and that there wasn't a lot of depth and that... I should be using my reading time for something else. I think I had internalized some of those ideas that you hear about romance. Mm -hmm. I didn't really read adult romance until recently as well, within the span Mm -hmm. of us recording this podcast, because I remember talking about one of the first romances I read on here and wondering why it took me so long. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason that it took me so long is that I was reading romance before, but I was reading YA romance Mm -hmm. mostly Mm -hmm. and not adult romance. So the Sarah Dessen books, for instance, are books that I absolutely loved in high school and college. And those are very YA romance where there's two main characters. They come together, they come apart, and then It's usually a happily ever after. Yeah. So what I know about romance and what people think of it are the things that you just said, which is that, you know, if people are reading romance, they're thinking about it, that it's a guilty pleasure. They're thinking that it's a waste of time because the books are frivolous instead of more weighty and worthy. I think I also hear that they're very predictable Mm. and that because there's a happily ever after as part of being a romance Mm -hmm. that there isn't a lot of mystery in how it's going to play out. Hmm. That is true to some extent. They can definitely be formulaic in that if I'm reading a romance in my Kindle and we're approaching, you know, 76%, I know that they're about to have their conflict (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> but I still find them to be really lovely and supportive. And really listening to Vanessa Zoltan talk about romance novels has been one of the things that I have found really empowering about reading them. Mm-hmm. And that a lot of white people think that romance is not worthy or not up to snuff of other finer literature or whatever is patriarchy. Yes. For the most part, these are books that cater to a women's market and that it's seen as less valuable to to cater to women than it is to cater to men. But that these are books that are so diverse as a genre that I've read more authors of color within the genre than I was reading when I was reading, quote unquote, modern literature. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that hearing what Vanessa has to say and her podcast, Hot and Bothered, I highly recommend for anyone who is romance curious to think through some of these philosophical ideas about why romance isn't valued and why it should be. And I'm so glad that I have come to love reading romance novels because I think it has really highlighted for me the fact that reading should be fun. And I think that I did used to think more that I should be constantly educating myself Mm -hmm. or challenging myself or bettering myself through my reading. And I still do enjoy reading books that challenge me, but I also really enjoy escaping into something that can feel lighter and that touches on the happier aspects of human relationships Mm -hmm. and the ways in which we can find one another, even in challenging circumstances. I feel like my reading life has become much more complete Mm. and that I have felt much more open to all different kinds of books. And that's really enriched my reading experience. I love that. There have been lots of discussions about this in the romance readers group that I'm in. And Someone said this thing that I thought was really poignant, which is that she had wanted to read the more serious or the harder Mm -hmm. things. But then she said, but really, I've been lucky and most of my life has been guided by loving relationships. And so reading books that parallel that experience rather than reading books where everything's horrible and there's lots of like really challenging stuff actually feels easier to relate to for her. That's so interesting because I love reading darker things that really touch on the hard parts of the human experience. And I think part of the reason is up until the last couple of years, I didn't have a lot of those experiences and reading was a way to get in touch with that that I wasn't having in my everyday life. Mm -hmm. Interesting to think about it both ways. Yeah. Okay, let's switch and talk about audiobooks. So some people say that listening to audiobooks is really reading. And some people say that it is not real reading. What do you say, Sarah? Real reading, for sure. (laughs) I did not used to read a lot of audiobooks. And I think part of that was not having the time. I didn't have a commute in a car where I could sit and listen to audio. And I didn't have a lot of stretches of uninterrupted time. But in the last couple of years, especially when I was able to listen to audiobooks at work, I have just so appreciated the next level that a good narrator can take a book to yeah, and how enjoyable that experience is. I think for me, the bottom line is it's about consuming the story. It's not about reading the words on the page. Mm. If you have consumed the story, then you have read that book. 
Neil and I had a conversation about this recently where I said, oh, yeah, I read that book. And then I talked about listening to it. And he said, well, you didn't read it. You listened to it. And I said, no, I read it in audio format. (laughs) We were going back and forth about the semantics. We ended both agreeing that I was right, of course, (laughs) and that you can use reading and listening interchangeably when referring to an audiobook. I 100% agree with that as well. This sort of listening is not reading snobbery is, I think, pretty ableist, actually. Yes. Because so many people struggle with reading printed or reading on a screen, but can read books in audio format and enjoy them. And I also wanted to second what you said about the narrator. And I think this is especially true with memoirs where they're read by the author, where you get such a fuller experience listening to the person who wrote the words read the words. And I just really love that. Me too. Okay, how do you think book snobbery affects emerging readers? We talked a little bit about how it affected you as a kid, but what have you noticed with your kids who are both now reading? I notice it a lot talking to other parents. I think you'll often hear parents talking about, oh, I just wish they'd read something that was a little more challenging. Or, oh, I wish that they would just stop reading only graphic novels. And looking down on the book choices that kids are making, Mm -hmm. my kids have both really loved the Dogman series, which is very much bathroom humor. Mm. But kids love them. My kids have read that series many times. And I think that's great. They're reading and they're having fun. And I think what I try and focus on with my kids is that reading should be fun. Reading should not be work. And if I want them to grow into readers who love to read for pleasure, then it actually has to be pleasurable when they're choosing to pick up a book. The same way I don't always want to read something really heavy that's going to challenge me and make me work as I'm going through the pages to decode complicated, beautiful sentences. Mm -hmm. No, sometimes I just want to read a story that I can escape into and have fun. Why would I deny my kids that same experience in the name of helping them grow as a reader? But I think it just makes them internalize and feel those things that I felt as a kid. That what I was reading wasn't good enough or hard enough or was beneath me in some way, which is so ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And that is not to say that my parents made me feel that in any way. (laughs) I think they did a great job. And my parents will be the first to tell you that they just want to read books that are enjoyable for them to read. And that's what they (laughs) do. (laughs) Yeah. But I'll hear that conversation often about, oh, I just wish they wouldn't just keep reading this over and over. And especially looking down on graphic novels, I Mm. see that a lot. That graphic novels are fine, but once you're really reading, you should be reading something else. It's kind of this, it's fine for you while you're learning, but it should only be a stepping stone as opposed to this is this really great genre that has a lot to offer on its own for people of all reading levels. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that is the way it is seen by a lot of parents. Yeah, I think that really ignores the entire genre of graphic novels as an art form. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but I was following a comic that was coming out serially for a while called Saga. Yes. And that comic, the artwork was incredible, but also the story was very complex and very heavy. And 
really dealt with a lot of big questions about race and parenting and safety and what it means for one organization to have control over an entire galaxy or universe or whatever it was at the time. Mm -hmm. Like we have said with these other things, when people write off genres just because of how it is, Mm -hmm. I think they do damage to the people who enjoy them. So in the case of kids who are reading a graphic novel but struggle with a block of text. Yes. But they also could be doing a disservice to themselves that they are thinking that something is beneath them when really they might love it if they would give it a chance. Absolutely. I think it's about keeping the big picture in mind. I have really enjoyed listening to episodes of the Read Aloud Revival. Mm. It does have a homeschool, sometimes religious lens that it looks at things through, but I just have so appreciated her perspective. The person who runs it is named Sarah McKenzie, just talking about how the point is the story, like we were saying in audiobooks, that reading aloud to your children, your children who can read on their own, they're still so much value in that. And that at the end of the day, when we want our kids to love reading, it's not about decoding the words on the page. We want our children to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But the point of reading isn't the decoding. The point of reading is being able to share these experiences and talk about how it made us feel and think about connections to our own life and grow as people Mm -hmm. through books and stories. And anytime we're putting these types of books into, oh, that's not real reading, or that's not as good as something else. It is just limiting us. And I think it's keeping people from enjoying reading, even Mm -hmm. into adulthood, because they think it's not for them, because the things they like aren't seen as worthy and worthwhile. Mm -hmm. So we'll end our conversation about book snobbery there. But we just want to give an encouragement. Listeners, if you are feeling like the books that you enjoy are not good enough for you, they are. Read them. Enjoy them. Tell us about them. We want to hear about it. Let's end by talking about what we've been eating. I have a frozen snack food to share. Mm. (laughs) These are stuffed hash browns from Jimmy Dean. Okay. They come in the freezer section of your local grocery store. The ones that I got are filled with sausage and cheese with hash browns on the outside. I cook them in my toaster oven. They're delicious. <laughs> All right. I do love a good hash brown. What have you been eating? I'll share something that Neil made recently. He has been taking over more of the cooking in recent weeks, and he is currently in his phase of the year where he's not eating dairy because it really helps his allergies when he doesn't eat dairy in August and September. So he came up with this meal. He used leftover rice from recent Indian takeout, sauteed a lot of vegetables together, and then the curry sauce we had had dairy in it, so he couldn't use that. Mm. So he just added a can of coconut milk to it. And it was this coconut milk rice. He put cashews in it as well. Mm. It was really tasty. I very much enjoyed it. And it's not something I would have thought to make. So love getting some fresh new foods that I am not cooking. Great job, Neil. Indeed. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Abby, and with all of you listeners. You can find out more about everything we talked about today, including what we're reading and eating, in the show notes on our website, friendlierpodcast.com. You can also leave us a comment there or on Instagram at friendlierpodcast or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. 
Until next time, may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. Neil read this before me, and then he, I was reading it. He was like, yeah, I just kept thinking, is Sarah going to like this book? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good call. Maybe you could have warned me before I started it and got invested. That would be great. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Neil. Sweet friend, you love a quote. <laughs> I do love quotes. Yep. All right, I'm just going to pull an Abby and just say things on the podcast without having it written. That went super well when we started our hour-long podcast of me oh rambling. Oh, God, of us all rambling. <laughs> I'll self-edit a little bit. Listeners, you're previously. welcome. We were really good at editing at the beginning.